You see that in chat from Z. <laughs> I do. I just it made me think of, of Z's famous comment, which I will not repeat. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Man nips come up, come to mind though. So there's that. <laughs> okay, you went there. You went there. I, I mean, mean it's no casting couch, but, you know. Oh no, that's not a thing. That's not really a thing. Okay, moving on. Facing the onslaught during the apocalypse surely was a way to seek the greatest valor one could. It also meant facing madness as those who were touched by corruption would turn on their community and loved ones. Those once friends became enemies with the first whisper heard in the corrupt minds of those who sought safety but fell to the other's will. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders. Your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as Simorg, and I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinder. Let's welcome back Daedalus. Hello, everyone. So, friends, before we dig in too far, Got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast, which you're going to hear a few things related to shortly. That is asheshq.com, the community curated website um, for all things Ashes of Creation. Also a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the flames of this community bolstered greater week after week, friends. Shout out to all the Pathfinders who are here to join us today. Um, we've got a good amount of things on the agenda to talk about, picking up where we kind of talked about picking up uh, last week. Uh, but before we do uh, hit on some uh, Ashes HQ announcements and things like that, um, got to remind everybody, it's been a while since we've had one, but if you want to do us a solid, go over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, leave a comment um, about the show we can read that here live you can find the link to itunes and all the other podcast places over at our uh, twitter pinned at the top and that is at ashes pathfinder no s just ashes pathfinder on twitter um also you can call in leave us a voicemail if you wish at 1-539-664-6801 um, and if you're a little more shy and you want to go uh, a little more minimally you can uh, shoot a message to ashes pathfinders at gmail.com or pathfinder grunt we'll get that to us some point in the future okay now to those of you who are actually supporting via Patreon, uh, I do want to kind of like put a note out there for you all. Just kind of be aware that that Patreon does still exist. It is being worked on as we speak uh, to be reflective of something quite different. But you can still go over there. There are going to be a whole new set of perks and things. Things getting a whole new facelift in the near future. Um, that's just over at patreon.com forward slash some org. Um, so Knights of the Phoenix are recruiting. We had our community night on Friday again, playing City of Heroes. Still, it still seems to be like the, it seems to be like the best option, I think, uh, for our community nights as of late. Um, we had a good time, though, and uh, everyone's welcome to join us. You don't just have to be in Knights of the Phoenix. Um, it is a great place for our community as a whole to get together, to get to know each other, to have some fun. It's been a really good time on Fridays. Um, currently are working on 
trying to like uh, implement some other games that we can like rotate in there. Uh, I think V Rising might be one that you'll see us maybe doing. Um, I know uh, Lotro, Lord of the Rings Online, they had a massive update recently. So that's something we may be doing. It's a little more limiting in terms of you've really got to be at the same place. I think that'll be something we do for our smaller days. Um, but in terms of HQ announcements, aside from Guild Recruitment, um, Ashes HQ forums are live. I've only got one board open. It's about archetypes and classes. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody to like go over there, to tinker with it, to see what you can post, to see if you can create some boards of your own or add some comments and threads, things like that. Um, if not, I just kind of want everybody to go over there and tinker around right now. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm probably going to organize it. Uh, more importantly, though, after you go over there and you you add something or you tinker around, you try to create something, things work, don't work, whatever, um, then you can just shoot me a DM or uh, post a comment in our Discord over discord.gg forward slash the morgue um, in the ashes of creation or the ashes pathfinder channel or either one just kind of let me know hey sam it'd be cool if we could try to do something like this we are going to be limited i'm keeping it pretty minimalistic um, but whatever i can do in terms of like creating a, a forum board um you know or other categories or organization if uh if if i have the agency to do that i will do that um so just kind of putting that out there um also aside from the forums being live on the hq um, we wrapped up part 10 of 10 for the first playthrough day of alpha one. So remember all of the footage from my alpha one experience is being cataloged over on the ashes HQ YouTube channel. Um, we are 10 of 10 for the first playthrough day and playthrough day two started today. So it was actually posted about two hours ago. So it's going live a new uh, part for the days that we are currently working on go live roughly, uh, 3 p.m. Central uh, here in the U.S. CDT um, every day of the week. So every single day you're getting a new video posting there until we get the whole damn alpha experience up there. Um, let me think. Anything else I could think of? Yes. One last HQ announcement. Daedalus has got another, um, another article that will be going live tomorrow. So look for it. I'll be posting it. You'll catch it in the Discord channel. You'll catch it on the um, all of the social media. So you'll probably see it uh, like retweeted over on Ashes HQ or Ashes Pathfinders um, specifically. Um, so keep your eyes open for it. There we go. I know there's a lot of stuff to kind of talk about, but there's been kind of a lot changing and a lot going on recently. Um, why don't we catch up and, and take a breather for a second and catch up with like what's been going on the past week? It, what's been going on with you, Data? Listen, aside from like personal stuff, maybe just stuff that's been interesting. I know we had the LFM podcast last Thursday, which was a hell of a time. Um, what about you? What have you been up to? Honestly, not much outside of that. Um, just like enjoying my time with the community on Community Night last night. It was a blast. You know, got some new people jumping into city of heroes and that was definitely a good time we actually did quite a lot um and uh and actually got a little bit of vengeance light justice against yeah, the uh the shadow uh the shadow enemies that kind of kicked our butt the first right. time around so definitely was a good time there and and obviously lfm always a good time you know shower juice and rants of plenty <laughs> <laughs> it's true we have a good time over there that one's the uh it's a very unfiltered uh it's kind of like the geek podcast i don't really feel like it's really the gamers podcast i should probably rename that 
Um, I always say like a first hundred episodes, give or take of a podcast is really like, I don't know, like fully like flushing out the identity of the show. Um, and it's, it's like 90%, but there's like a 10% tweak in there to do, uh, for the show, but it's definitely more of like the geeks podcast. We talk about game development, geek culture, um, you know, all the things. And, and oftentimes we are ranting pretty, uh, pretty excessively, which is, you know, a beautiful thing. It's very therapeutic, isn't it? Dayless. It, it is. And actually one more thing that I, I'm thinking yeah. of, I'm, I'm going to go the sim route and do a little bit of teasing. Uh-huh. I am working on something related to my personal branding. Um, and so I've, uh, with Sims guidance, I have uh, started to flesh out what I think is going to be a really cool idea. Uh, and I'm hoping within a couple of months or so, it'll be something that I can share with the community. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. in particular so um you know you definitely keep an eye out for that too and hopefully it'll also add a little more flavor to my uh mm. to my articles too in terms of some nice candy so yeah I'll dude. That. yeah it's a pretty I, I dig it man you you definitely like without spoiling it i don't know, i like the tease right but it's i think without actually spoiling anything you've You've got a very you've thought about it pretty well. We talked about it what Thursday? Was it Thursday? Yeah, it might have been Thursday. Yeah. God, man, days are just flying by. I'm telling you, man. I, I'm telling you. I, like from from my perspective, I feel like this year's gone by so fast because I just keep myself stacked. Um, I think I read like I don't know, like another 40 pages of the uh and you know the you know the book, it's like here with a thousand names or faces. Damn it, whatever. I always, I always goof that up, but, um, yeah, here with a thousand faces, it's basically a Joseph Campbell book on, uh, mythology and sort of like how stories have been told. The story of the hero has been told over and over and over. Um, it's basically the book that I view as like the, the, um, sort of like the foundation for a lot of like how, um, you know, writers, like even Brandon Sanderson, he like, he'll, he'll go through and he does his lectures over at Brigham Young university and he'll, he'll go through and talk about the different things. Some, some authors call up the beats you have to hit in plot development and telling a story. You're really talking about Joseph Campbell's book and his analytical work over kind of exploring mythology and, and like, you know, crafting the hero narrative over time or really just, storytelling but yeah it's been really good I, I read like 40 pages of that got like 10 pages or something in on the first Dragonlance book that was teased at on thursday by the homies so did that been working on my ip like crazy this year um yeah that's been crazy i've been i've been really busy with all that and then of course uh, getting all these damn alpha one chunks out to everybody and just keeping them Keep keeping them going. I think I've got another as of today, not including the one that posted today. I've got 10 more that are already ready to roll. And each week I'm basically taking a day's play test, cutting it up into like one hour to one and a half, roughly hour chunks, sometimes a little over. But it's been it's been good. It's been busy, but it's been good. Um, yeah. So we've got a lot to chat about today. Um, it's like, yeah, what are y'all going to chat about? Some of the same stuff we've talked about, but, um, I I did say that when we got to a week where we had a little more time, I'd actually like reflect on some of the comments left on YouTube, uh, around a couple of our videos. So I'm thinking back to specifically, 
um, two different episodes, the Lifeblood and the Successor episodes we did, which were roughly three and two weeks ago, um, where we had, I think, Donver, and then we had Pasha, you and I, for the next one. So it was you, I, Donver for that um, Lifeblood, and then the Successor, I believe, was, um, or it could be flipped, hell, I don't know. Um, but we had we had Pasha in there with uh, with you and I. So Donver, you and I for one, and Pasha half tilt you and I for the uh, other one. So that's crazy, actually. So I guess I'm going to go look at them. Actually, I misspoke, too. It's not successor. It's rise above and the successor. So the successor and rise above, not lifeblood. Lifeblood's a misspeak. There, let me delete that. So I'm not talking the wrong thing. Okay. So I'm going to hit on a few points, and I think I want everybody who's like watching or listening to just tuck these away as we're having our conversation today, because these are going to um, serve as uh, reference points to a lot of our discussion. Um, also, if you're you're not really super uh, knowledgeable about like the classes and everything, I'll go ahead and link the classes page for ashes hq keep in mind that's just the bare minimum it's just to let you look at those archetypes and the augmented classes that will exist in ashes um so there you go there's that okay let's do episode 170 we had a good chunk of comments there there were a few specific ones where we had talked a lot about crafting you remember that that was with donver and we we talked a lot about crafting and there were a few that were brought up that I thought were actually like really interesting because some we talked about in terms of like, well, in regard to crafting, what are some things that are either missing or, you know, like what are some like uh, areas that we just haven't seen coverage? I remember I specifically brought up uh, clothing and uh, leatherworking, right? Okay, so Vale had said, I think bone working is missing from the ashes artisan tree, which that was an interesting one. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Uh, said that in final fantasy, uh, it made, it made a lot of sense in final fantasy, uh, 14, they threw bone working in the goldsmithing tree, which felt like a missed opportunity. So I've never actually played a game where I've heard of anything like bone smithing. So that one's a bit foreign to me. Is that something you've heard of before? I have not. I haven't either. Yeah, we had one from uh, David Sumter saying there's a few that I feel are missing. Skinning, tanning, which tanning, I don't know that we hit on too much. It's a good one. No, we didn't. Yeah, um, yeah for medium armor. There's also zero artisan skills aimed at light armor. Fair point. See, focus on, I don't see nothing focused on robes or cloaks. Also, I see nothing leading to paper and books for scribes, which is actually a good point, too. Yeah, I have no idea what bone working is. I'm going to imagine it's like you pull the bones off critters and you use it for like stuff and things. I don't know what those stuff and things would be, but um, I could think of a few, like perhaps what uh, arrowheads, things like that, uh, potentially stuff like that. Yeah, um, reinforcing of armor, or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you go look at the most recent cosmetics that they had up there, that certainly <laughs> looks like where you could use some bone smithing because all that yeah, armor is sure. like wrapped up like you know leather chunks and bone and scrap metal or whatever the hell they could put together in the in the wastelands bad pad said the crafting and processing list is so incomplete 
even in Alpha 1, there was processing of fish. I remember having to grind fish a lot to get skills for weapons. Also, there were separate NPCs and buildings for different kinds of armor types, but there were no progression paths for life skills at all. Actually, it's actually a fair point. But the thing with the NPCs and the buildings, I guess I wanted to like hit on that real quick. What were your thoughts around that one during during Alpha One? Like how you had to go to the buildings and you had to like get the damn uh, recipes and then you would have to go get the, you know, different things, bring them back. I, I don't know how much like inner interdependency do we actually want with an NPC or a building in a city? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, I guess the, my take on it was I, I could take it or leave it. I felt mm. like that felt very placeholder for me. Um, obviously, that they wanted just to get some basics in there. I mean, ultimately, like in a city, I expect there's going to be crafting stations. And I think at some point, Stephen talked about having crafting buildings or crafting stations in your freehold space. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's 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 a nice idea. I like the fact, and I actually got some like New World vibes a bit with that because you had like different crafting stations that, as cities progressed, you could upgrade. And in order to get the more advanced recipes available or be able to do more advanced refining, you needed a uh, kind of a certain level or tier of crafting station. So, like, in general, I think I'm okay with that idea, but I do feel um, that there should be more player agency there. And so maybe having, you know, an, uh, you know some initial dependency on an NPC and a station might be fine, um, but ultimately there should be more options for you to be able to, depending on your level of skill, of course, go in and have your own kind of crafting area to do it. And maybe for those more advanced recipes, one of the things that I've seen in other games, and I can't remember the game name off the top of my head, um, but like for really advanced recipes, there was only like one location in the world you could go to um, that had like a particular like you know altar or advanced smithy. And I think just being able to discover those as a more seasoned crafter, I think would be cool too. It gives some level of, effort component that isn't just like sitting in a town you know mm. mass clicking and watching a progress gar uh, bar go by um, as well so yeah i mean i guess that would be my take is is i feel like that was definitely placeholder mm. i wouldn't expect it would be that basic um and obviously i think the one thing we didn't really see and i again don't expect to see is we didn't see a lot of like progression in terms of like skill points related to crafting and how you could like, you know, spider out and do a specialization um, in mm. alpha one. So I expect that's going to be a lot more fleshed out in alpha two. And I'm looking forward to that just to seeing like how that skill tree shakes out for crafting. Cause I am, I would say more than a little interested after the whole uh, animal husbandry discussion on, how they're planning to implement that for other professions um, that are maybe more production related than, you know, pet mount related. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, one of the things that like I reference is I think back to some of the, the MMORPGs I played, like I think about, uh, you know, 
you know, I think about everything in crafting, like the Elder Scrolls Online I've done. most. I've mostly I've done a lot more. I mean, like Swotor, you've got Rift, you've got Terra, you've got, um, you know, very, very, very uh, little I've done in some of the other games like Dark Age of Camelot, but um, be like World of Warcraft and, and games like that uh, where, you know, you've got like you, a person that's sort of like at this building type like a blacksmithing shack or building and you go in there and you go talk to the guy and you know you can like purchase certain recipes or um certain items that are utilized in crafting um oh yeah <laughs> oh you see that in chat from z <laughs> i do i just it made me think of of z's famous comment which I will not repeat. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, <laughs> nips come up, come to mind though. So there's that. <laughs> okay, you went there. You went there. I, I mean, mean, it's no casting couch. But, you know, oh no, that's not a thing. That's not really a thing. Okay, moving on. Um, th this one's this one's good. I wanted to reference this one, uh, but but first, you know, like I I like the I like how in World of Warcraft specifically, you could sometimes pick up recipes from certain things in the world. It was pretty rare, but it, you could come across a recipe that had like a certain rarity to it. Sometimes it would drop off of a, you know, dungeon boss or it would drop from like a world creature or a boss in an area, um, a raid boss or something like that, where it didn't always make sense. But sometimes it actually made sense because of what it was you could craft. Um, some specialty item that was represented somewhere in that raid or within that biome or or you know from the culture of the person that you killed that was like an inhabitant of that area like those types of things make sense to me versus like you know i killed a piglet and it dropped like an axe recipe which makes like zero effing sense um and buildings like so i like the idea of like you, you you learn in that way you go to the guy in the building and as you're leveling up they're like oh look you've you've taken the the x amount of different recipes that you learned as you've progressed forward into the next ranking system um and so like let's talk about some of the other ones you can learn you can actually learn those recipes from the person but that's like your foundational set of recipes versus the ones that are what I consider specialty that you could sort of find in the world. Um, now I think there are some opportunities that Ash as a creation could, um, to really capitalize on, uh, related to player agency. That's something they've talked about specifically, but not actually really, they haven't said it's a thing, but they've hinted at it's not outside of the realm of possibility that it could be a thing one day. Don't think launch of the game think dlcs or expansions or something you know patch content down the road um which was around what potion making we've talked about before how the possibility right we already know that you can go and you can pick up out in the world uh some certain things related to taverns like you could get like a tavern you know game or something and that you could sort of bring back and it could be part of the tavern and these types of things are really great and i think that if ashes of creation capitalized on um not a lot of it, but just a little bit of that sort of player agency and um, customization of like recipes and things. It's, it could be very interesting um, outside of the ways that I sort of talked about already. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways and it's actually kind of uh, I'll give, you know, a, a minor spoiler here for the article. The article that I'm coming out with on Monday is focused on crafting, actually, um, and one of the things that I think makes like total sense to really 
make crafting honestly as interesting as possible uh, is is going to be, um, I think that having that level of discovery too, uh, you know, where, you know, you might not necessarily like learn something just from an NPC. I, I actually hope not. I mean, other than like the random drop of a recipe in the world, it might be discovering a new material. I mean, I think we talked about this in some form or another, may have been on LFM, may have been on this mm-hmm. podcast, but like games that are like maybe like Valheim or others where you discover a new material and that means, hey, I can do something new. I think that's a great way to acquire recipes. Um, and, you know, depending on your specialization, that same material might give you something different. It's not just necessarily about basics. Uh, so there's there's obviously a lot of ways um, where crafting can be interesting and interactive, not only at like at the person level, but also with like other players too, and interdependency between different professions and honestly, even partnerships between adventurers and true crafters or, you know, crafting adventuring hybrids, I think is really important because it just continues to foster community and social interaction, which is, you know, a game like Ashes is going to really live or die by the quality of their community and the quality of the interaction. So the more opportunities to interact, the better for the crafting system overall. And and frankly, I think Mm -hmm. to keep players' interests too. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think anytime you're engaging, I'm a big proponent of merit, right? Like, I, I think that a lot of what I go back to with games in general is that uh, for me, where games tend to be getting it wrong more often than not these days, this is MMORPG or just any game related to me, is like you just sort of get things because you were there and because you chose to play the game or they handhold for you along the way versus the merit of, you know, you're working hard to excel in something. And then as a pleasant surprise, sometimes, you know, along the way, it's like, oh, look, because I've been grinding hard, this thing sort of happened. Like I, I learned a certain, and this is one of the things when I talk about where Ashes could capitalize on it is, you know, let's say you're going through and you've got, you know, 10, 10 different recipes. I know I'm just random numbers here, 10 different recipes that I can craft like level 40 in a certain artisan tree. Okay. And I can, I can craft those particular things. And because of the fact that I've been crafting and crafting and crafting, and I want you to put a pin on, well, how should said thing proc as part of our reference point here for us to discuss? But as part of crafting those things that I've but you know, I've earned the specialization in because of my time and effort and energy. I'm progressing down a mastery path, perhaps, uh, or just a tree in general. And as I've gotten to this point, I'm sort of at a at the peak of where I'm at. And I'm not really getting a whole lot further. Maybe this is sort of like the uh um uh, you know, the 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 low the low ending point for, for my, my particular crafting profession. And I get there and I'm crafting any of these things. And then one day, all of a sudden this thing pops and says, you just figured something out. You just learned how to specialize in making another grade of a certain thing or, or like, um, you know, you, you essentially through crafting it, you know, 
if you were to go in game and pretend to be your character, it's like, I've been doing this so long. I kind of found out a better way to do it, to do it and make this thing potentially stronger with better durability or something like that. And it's like, Oh my gosh. So having something pop and going, you just figured this out. That's kind of cool. And it, and it kind of makes sense. Now games have done it. This isn't like, you know, it's never been done before, but when you see that pop and you're like, Whoa, I just sort of like figured out how to make something actually better. There isn't really any other way to get this in the world. I earned that. Like I worked towards achieving that because of my time in the trenches, so to speak. And now I sort of figured out how to make something even better. Now as a craftsman, that makes me, you know, that, that honing of my skills now makes me more marketable in the player driven economy as a crafter. And that's the kind of player agency that Ashes of Creation is trying to capitalize on. So it's, in my mind, a really great example of a way that through time, trial, error, and through merit, you, you sort of earn your way into learning something. And it's not guaranteed, maybe. But then the question is of how do you sort of like determine who earns that or not? Is it based on having crafted X amount, but no one knows at first how many you've got to make in order for that proc to sort of occur, right? Maybe it's based on I've made like 5,000 of these things at this point and it just pops versus the RNG approach of, which I am not a proponent of, by the way, where you're just crafting it. It's like, well, you were level 40 in this and you've been crafting this thing and you access to it and boop, there you go. You got it. Cause it just sort of happened. Roll the dice. I don't know. Thoughts. What's the best way for that kind of an acquisition to occur? I mean, I think it, it it's, it's gotta be varied. It can't just be like, you know, a mindless grind. I think that's what turns a lot of people off. I mean, some people live for that. I mean, I'm not, mm. I'm not going to knock like what people enjoy in games. <laughs> Me personally, the whole, um, you know, just dump a bunch of, of time and not much else into a, a profession. It's not that interesting to me. I want to be able to just like I progress my character, progress my crafting, like the crafting side of what I'm doing, or if I decide to go like a true crafter route on, you know, an alt, I, I want to be able to interact and it not just be like me, you know, standing in the middle of town, clicking a button. I want there to be some sort of questing involved in it to a point, right? I want there to be some sort of contribution that I'm making, not only like to me and my own progression, but my fellow guildmates or my node or something make me just as important and part of the air quote server story, yeah. right? As an adventurer. And I think that's, that's super important. Um, and the fact that, you know, I can also be unique in that progression as well, right? Not and everybody can do everything approach, um, you know, and and I, I think that would also, you know, make things a lot more interesting to me. Um, and and honestly, as remove as much randomness as possible out of it. Um, and, and I mean that not that I want it to be easy mode, but I still want there to be meaningful choices that it's not all based on random chance. Um, I want as a crafter to have a lot more control, but that control is it's it's kind of a risk versus reward as well, right? I might need 
really super rare materials to get a particular role on uh, an item, or I'm I might need to rely on my guildmates who do you know, or maybe at a higher tier of adventuring to get some rare materials. There's just a lot of different ways you can kind of handle that and make it interesting. I think one of the things that I believe was narrower mentioned, um, or no, I pardon me, I might have been Kaylin um, mentioned is that you uh, need lower level mats in order to progress at higher tiers. Absolutely. I think you know, one of the major issues that I've seen in games like World of Warcraft is so much material bloat. Um, yeah. You know, each tier or expansion comes with a whole new mess of materials that you have to go and grind. Keep it simple. You know, maybe there's some materials that are more rare in that, you know, same like family of things, but don't necessarily have to make every expansion have a whole new set of base materials. It's it's painful to kind of have to deal with that, especially if inventory is is a challenge and and I expect it to be. Um, don't make it challenging just because, right? Make it challenging because maybe materials are rarer and you need to be more judicious in what you're making and how you're making it. Or uh, again, you know, acquisition should be interactive. So that could be in a number of ways. It could be personal effort it could be effort with you know your counterparts and the community i mean it could be you know you know discovery as you're you know in the world I mean, the more you can get out of exploration interaction the better i'm um, in my opinion yeah i agree with that dude uh i i wanted to hit on another point too uh which was another comment bell had left on that particular video um he said, I don't like the 24-hour time-gating, especially in gathering. Time-gating is an important discussion point. Now, this is going to lead into talking about class dynamics, archetypes, uh, gearing said classes and or archetypes um, shortly. But just felt like, you know, he said, just tell me something like lunar blooms only blossom at night under clear skies. I'm fine with that. For processing, loading up the furnace with fuel and ore and taking 20 hours to forge. This goes back to something you talked about, right? Like there's, there's gotta be, you know, you gotta like really evaluate the cost benefit analysis, right? Because benefit is like for the cost of time is the benefit of enjoyment of how you've utilized that time. Like that, that balance is important. And when you talk about like dumping a lot of new materials into a game, things like that, as you were chatting about that specifically, my thoughts immediately went to, yeah, now we've got a bunch more stuff in the game, a lot more stuff to collect, a lot more stuff to manage, a lot more reason to get in there and be actively having to manage these things. This goes back to me thinking about well, we just want to get people in our game so they're in our game. So we've got them right. So we've got them with us. That's not a good enough reason. That's not that shouldn't be, in my mind, the reason to be logging on and playing. Right. I shouldn't be logged on and playing because um, I have to get on because there's a cooldown of 24 hours. Like I hated that. Do you remember Mr. Pandaria where there was like those things you could craft and you could like make one a day or something? It was like there's a forge on like what was it? Anybody in chat remember what I'm talking about? You had to go yeah. to like that. 
the the thundering island or some shit and you had to like actually yeah. go in there and you had to craft as a blacksmith i had to craft this one freaking ingot or sometimes two or whatever it was at procked a day and i'm like dude this sucks this absolutely sucks if i don't want to play one day if i still want to ensure that i get this one thing it's like login rewards i gotta get on and do it because just because that is not a good reason that to log into the game for me under any circumstances um and the labor system at arcade was another one i absolutely oh, hated God. for that reason ptsd oh my god that's just dirty man dirty not a fan so i totally hear Ravel's coming from on that and i think knowing it's something you've got to pick up at night like that resonates all right cool i know when to be on doing it i could do it every day it, here we go back to merit it, based on how much time i'm willing to invest i'll probably get more of it based on my time out there more than likely um okay <sighs> this is gonna be like crazy <laughs> Thinking about legendary items and things like that too. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of different directions we can go with that. Um, I'm gonna head on a couple other discussion points here. Um, one of them was, let me see, there it is. Right? Okay, Guavain had had actually hit on this point too, saying, "I thought that legendary unique could have a need for essence instead of durability." This is what I wanted to talk about. The idea of essence. Now we know essence exists in the game because of the lore and all that, right? It's a part of the soul. Your gods are attuned more perfectly in their usage of the essence, right? Uh, planes of existence and alignment to the essence, all that stuff is a thing. Um, but said that legendary uniques could have a new uh, need for essence instead of durability. And it basically just sort of like degrades over time. The essence could be obtained by killing mobs and players um it would solve two problems at once first the player that uh that gets one knows they need to you know what they need to use to sort of keep it up um or share between trusted teammates second the player will use it more often than for a specific event and showcase it to the world um what would be the point of having it if nobody could see it in action this is again kind of talking about people that get legendaries and that balancing act we talked about with, well, what if that person who's got it and it's limited, there's only limited, you know, to one per server and the guy goes AFK, isn't playing the game for like a month, two, three, maybe they're gone for good. The legendary just gone. There's got to be something in place for that. So that was a pretty interesting idea. I know we chat a lot about that. So if you want to sort of reflect on that specific conversation, go back to episode 171, Rise Above. You can kind of follow up on that more specifically. But I want you to keep all these things in mind because discussion around gearing of an archetype or a class is something I want to talk about a little bit more today, okay? Okay, so why don't we dig in to talking about uh, gearing systems and classes. What has been some of your best reference points or favorite reference points for gearing up classes or characters? No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of some like game where I really felt the gearing was switched on. Um, and, and I can't at the moment think of that. I can definitely think of like things where it left some to be desired. Um, you know, in particular, I think Arc Age was terrible 
Um, in my opinion, it was just very grindy, like, and I'm not necessarily talking about like just grinding for the right, you know, piece of gear or grinding for different versions of the same gear that just had like, you know, a little bit higher item level, AKA wow. Um, I, I just think that, you know, you, you've got to, again, make it very interactive. I think having some sort of modular system, like, you know, reusing what you have and enhancing it is, in my opinion, a better way to go with gearing than always pushing people to find something new. Um, and, and that might be, again, in the form of like, you know, as you progress in the world, as we get into like expansions and later expansions, it's, it's not that anything that you have is throwaway. It may not be as powerful, but it's not just that whole like gear drop off that you've had in games like WoW, right? Where your tier gear that you like spent, you know, many months raiding for is garbage after a few greens dropped in a few levels. I mean, I, I think that was just like horrible in terms of gearing. So I would be, you know, definitely a fan of some sort of modularity, some sort of reforging that a um that a crafter could do maybe like change the nature of the gear um in some way some sort of class interactivity i think would also be important for me like again depending on your specialization you might be able to tweak the same piece of gear and it interact with what in um what augmentations you've chosen or what particular skills you have you know one thing that wow is coming back with is the idea of set bonuses for set gear i think that's a great thing and i i would love to see some sort of set bonus interaction happening too again it might be based on particular things you're choosing in your spec or finding some rare materials and infusing your gear with that particular material to give you maybe greater resistance or um you know some sort of um, you know, proc ability or something like that. I guess what I'm saying here in many, many words is the more interactive and based on player agency it could be, the better. And, uh, and as opposed to it just being like a solo thing, like I'm running this dungeon a hundred times so I can get like version 2.0 or 3.0 of the same garbage that dropped the first time, right? In a lower level experience. Right. So that that I guess that would be my take is the more interactivity you can have synergy with classes where you can like tweak different pieces of gear, um, you know, in, in ways that can help you horizontally progress in addition to vertical progression, um, I think would be, you know, in my opinion, um, the best route to go because it keeps things in the world. And as opposed to a lot of items having to happen, just like with the materials, right? Being like a material bloat situation, the gear bloat situation is just, in my opinion, as damaging to the community because oh you end up having just a bunch of stuff on mm -hmm. an auction house that just is not important yeah. because people are just trying to offload a go. bunch of extra crap that they that they got. The Elder Scrolls Online is a perfect example of gear bloat, dude. There are so many sets in that game that are just trivial at best i mean we're talking th there's no point 
and even having them in the game anymore, which is unfortunately, a, it's, it's just a very unfortunate circumstance because, you know, one of the things that originally was really, really great and inspiring for a theory crafter was look at, look at all of the different skill trees and, you know, yeah, it's limited. You can look at the limitation around how many skills you can have per bar when you weapon swap, whatever, throw it out the window, right? Still just, just look at it from the perspective of, okay, sure. But you're still able to cycle between uh, two different potential weapon types or the same weapon type with different sets of uh, abilities, right? Active uh, abilities, you know, passives based on, uh, you know, specking into armor trees and, and, um, you know, weapon passives or actives or whatever, like all of those different different uh, dynamics were really cool. You had, then you had like the social organizations, for example, which is basically the guilds in that game, right? You had the mages guild and you had the, the fighters guild, right? Uh, later on, you have like the dark brotherhood and you have the thieves guild, and all that stuff too, that came in, but you have these skill trees where you can utilize active abilities and you can really like theory craft a mix and match potentially like tons of different combinations of abilities from, you know, from armor, from weapons, from social organization or guild lines, um, from your class lines, right? Which you have three of. And it's like, there's so many awesome opportunities. And and now between that and all of the gear sets and all of the set bonuses, and there are procs on those two, which were just way too over the top. It, the focal point became around, well, whatever comes out that's new is super OP, right? Whatever class is out, is super op the newest one and pretty much if you're not playing with those combination of things what's the point right and so now you've got just tons of gear that can be crafted tons of gear that exists in uh overland uh bosses or delves or you know your raiding your trials in that game your your instance dungeon content and like 90 percent of that people don't even really touch for the most part Especially now when there's so many different options and really the best ones to go with are whatever's meta. And that's always attached to what's newest. Um, one thing they haven't done, though, in that game and since probably like the veteran system slash early CP or champion skill trees was how you would... Um, you had like, I think Ruby or um, Rubedo leather, the, like the max like materials, like the highest uh, rarity of materials is earned through procs, essentially uh, through refinement or harvesting the highest, you know, level materials, which ties into like the max level gear, right? CP 160 at this time, which has been there for ages. They haven't added new materials. So I agree with what you said about, crafting right i don't think you need to have a lot of uh, you don't need to like uh, also bloat the materials that exist in the game to craft things you can just change and may and i think add to the profession and or artisan professions in a game like so if if you add like okay well, we had like a new dlc or expansion that came out and people in uh, blacksmithing right can uh now they have an opportunity to learn how to craft a specific type of uh, um, item. And this item is extremely important in A, B, and C, different uh, crafting artisan professions, because uh, to make this new thing that now exists, you need this initial component, which can only be gotten, you know, if it's crafted by someone who has this, right? This particular will say, I don't know, they're like an armorsmith, right? They've got to craft a specific thing. Um 
So if you don't add a lot of additional materials that come out with new expansions, that's one way to continue to like iterate upon the crafting professions so that gearing, you know, is still evolving and professions are still evolving without like bloating the system with tons of new materials to now, you know, like you said, even in ashes or other games where you're just like, what are you going to, we're going to store all this stuff. You get to a point eventually where when the game has been out five to 10 years, if you don't have enough inventory space between banks or bags or however you're choosing to manage that, you just don't have enough room, man. You got guilds who are like dumping in their guild halls, uh, their guild banks rather, because they can't store this stuff anywhere else. Um, so anyway, that was a big rant, but something that I think, you know, you know, sometimes the bread and butter work really great and you can just stick to the basics and iterate upon the basics so that you're not really stepping too far outside of um, the frame of reference that you started with to be uh, started with in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Classes, man. Archetypes. We all want to see them in the game, right? We're all waiting for them enough to. Um, I asked this question in the past week. I was like, what are you all what are you all hoping that you see in, in the upcoming development live stream? Which by the way, if you didn't know, now that the sim rant is over, breather for everybody. <laughs> There is a live stream coming up. Yeah, we're going to talk about combat real soon, Magisto. This is where we're going, buddy. And gear sets and things like that, crafting, from my perspective, are all very supportive and foundational for uh, talking about combat. At least it is to me. Alpha 2 is on the horizon when we don't know. All right, we still don't have any, any goalposts to know how far they've progressed uh, between where they're at right now and when we are going to get to alpha two i would never expect dates um goalposts are great and letting people know like where they're at on the goalposts i think would be really cool um but yeah i, I totally understand not having a date at this point in time however we have another development live stream coming up and they did a hell of a job with the character creator right there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it the character creator is looking uh like it's it's gonna drop a hammer on the competition. I mean, we saw how much Nathan was nerding out on the other podcast when he saw that thing. And he's a Pantheon fan, right? He's a he's in the Pantheon camp. And uh we do have a live stream coming up. All right. It's gonna be Friday, all right, April 29th, eleven AM Pacific, PDT. And your questions need to be submitted on the forums if you want to try to ask one for them to answer in the live stream by this Wednesday right the 27th of april um at 11 a.m pdt as well okay so keep that in mind my question for all of you and i know we've talked about this this week what do you hope to see in the upcoming development live stream like sometimes we get a show live stream sometimes we get a tell live stream right we had a tell live stream where they were kind of talking more about what's going on and then we got a really big show live stream last time we got female Renkai in chat. What about you, Daedalus? What's what's on your wish list? We'll say a wish list. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a wish. I mean, I would love to see just some more on any archetype we haven't seen anything on. I mean, I think we when you'd had um, some discussion here after LFM this week, you talked about you know the Ranger, like where are we at with that? That was in 
you know, earlier iterations of the game. So kind of where are we at with that? I mean, I'm like, you know, personally, I haven't really like had a lot of experience with like the Ranger in general or have maybe as much interest as some of the other classes. But I think even just having that, it would just, you know, it would it would definitely pique the interest because I also had like similar um, views on, you know, what race I wanted to play. And they blew that out of the water with like all the mm-hmm. showcases. And now I'm like, OK, there mm-hmm. isn't a race thus far that I don't want to have a character <laughs> doing. So so I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say something more on the classes. I would love to see something on crafting or at least some sort of punch list about what they're targeting for A2 in like a little more detail. I'm, I, and I'm I'm there with you on the show, not tell. It's like, show us something we haven't seen. You know, I mean, I think, you know, the, the character creation video was like off the chain good and kind of how they talked about it. It was a conversation. They were able to kind of play with things live and, you know, good old ADD Steven was playing with everything and, you know, it just gave you a really good sense of what they're planning for the system without even necessarily having like every single model or every gender, right? You were still able to see how much you could do and the little things they put in, like showing like, you know, an Asmund Gold-like tune. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think just anything they could do in that side would be good for me and and if all else fails at least kind of give us an idea hey we're coming out with an article soon and this is the topic right and and kind of deliver on that i think that's one of the things you know we've talked about here you've talked about offline is there was a content release idea i wouldn't say a schedule but there was a content release idea for stuff um there was a schedule for the creative director's letter and that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. So I know, you know, this is something that has come up before in our discussions. I would like to see them revisit that. I know potentially that's like a function of like where they are with staffing. Um, so right. I'm hoping by this live stream, they've actually nailed down who's coming in to take over Jeff's role. I'm not going to say the word replace because rip my homie. You know, Jeff is is you know is not someone that I would say replace ever for. He's a really strong talent. Yeah. So if they bring somebody in that has like the same level of passion and drive that Jeff did in terms of quality, um, and I wouldn't expect anything less from Steven and the team in their choice. But I hope that announcement happens too. Yeah. Um, man. But uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Owensington, you said it best, right? They they tried gold dates mm. in the past. It doesn't work. Um, I think they tried a roadmap in the past and it doesn't work because things change, but at least if they know something is nearly there, kind of like what they did with the character creator, right? Yeah, even that got pushed out a month, but that's not terrible, right? Because when they actually brought it out there, I mean, you just, you know, the the nerdgasm was real. Right. So I expect, um, I expect that, you know, that's the route they're going to go. I just hope there is something they're either teasing for the next live stream or actually showing something this time um, to keep that level of content up uh, from the last one. Cause I think it, it's going to be a hard act to follow if they don't have something of even like some material significance in this one. 
Yeah, definitely seeing some like different things in chat, like, you know, archetypes, I think is a big one. Archetypes that we haven't yet seen starting to hit on those things would be, I think, really good uh, for the community as a whole, because we really don't have any frame of reference uh, for what they're going for. We've got a frame of reference from Alpha Zero for the Ranger, the Mage, the Cleric and the Tank, right? And we saw them uh, sort of restructure the way that, at least in early levels, that the uh, tank, the mage, and the cleric are going to work via Alpha 1. Um, so at this point, we're looking at what? We're looking at going into the future of Alpha 2, and we haven't seen the what they're going for with the ranger since Alpha 0, and we haven't really seen at all any reference for what the bard, outside of telling us uh, what we're going for with the bard, the fighter. Uh, again, that's also in a discussion telling us. And uh, what else we got? Rogue and summoner, right? So we got bard, rogue, summoner, and yeah, fighter. So, you know, with that being said, like seeing some of those would be great. But I, I think more specific to the upcoming developer live streams, if I was to say like what would I want to see them probably showcase soon or sooner than later, I'd probably say the things that were talked about. Um, and I think a great example of that is they talked about the character creator um, as a goalpost, essentially moving into uh, this new year, sort of like into February, March or whatever. So once it was actually discussed on the stream, it was about two months until we actually saw it. They were talking about trying to show it in the next month. Right. Didn't didn't say it was for sure. Missed that marker. And I say marker very loosely because, again, it wasn't guaranteed. It wasn't any of that. But it was kind of like we're working on it. Right. And they got there in a couple months. It was pretty cool. We got a really great presentation of that. The other thing was if we're talking about showcasing that, maybe getting into the hand of uh, players so they can go try to create as many different uh, potential like character models that they can come up with, um, even if it was just with the human only because you're going for real life references i still think that'd be pretty cool um they obviously showed off what they were capable of doing with that um with the limited uh customization that they showcased because clearly it's not uh, the full range of what they're going for um we obviously didn't see the other races either um but speaking about races i definitely agree with you on that because you said uh you feel conflicted on what you're gonna go with I talk about wanting to go to the Paladin all the time, and here's our segue into talking about archetype slash classes here. I talk about wanting to go Paladin all the time because that's my thing. That's my jam, right? The community already got me playing something dark side for D&Ds now moving forward, right? They wanted to see Dark Sim, so you're going to get a little Dark Sim because I got my Lightbringer and I got my... I, <sighs> my rogue or death knight style character the bad boy because you got to balance it out a little bit and um they wanted to see a little bit of the dark side so i'm gonna be going dark side but the thing is i'm gonna go with what actually is the most fun for me and i like a lot of different play styles right and if if playing something range you know or more healer specific actually feels better than playing something more tank specific I might do it. If I feel like that paladin style play or death knight style play, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a uh I don't know, like a more accurate feel for what my preferences are as a player through this particular class combo here, then that's probably what I'm gonna go with. 
regardless of the term paladin because i can rp a paladin if i if i went cleric cleric or or something like that potentially too if there's like the aesthetics there and then the augmentation possibilities allow me to actually play something that feels more in alignment to what my style of a paladin would be um but there are other classes i enjoy playing uh i thought i wanted to be an imperian elf because like imperian imperial that stuff resonates for me because it's something i've been long grained in myself for a lot of reasons which other people will find out about in the near future but my point is i thought that was the direction i was going and then you start seeing some of these new character designs you're like well shit oh shit i don't know man i don't know man i don't know the 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 pyre elves look pretty damn cool i can't wait to see that in the character creator some real renders on those oof yes Yes. Right. Jeez, dude. That's pretty, pretty awesome. So talking about the classes and archetypes, man, we talked about this, but we haven't probably actually hit on it. Like we're going to hit on it now since the early days. What, what are you looking for in those classes? We haven't yet seen the archetypes. I should say archetypes. Cause that's your base your base archetypes are your, your foundation for augmentation and therefore classes later. But we got the bard, the rogue. Hit on a couple of them. I can hit on the other ones if you like. Whatever. I mean, like, two words come to mind whenever I think of, like, mm. this whatever they're showcasing or plan to showcase for the new class. It's just established class identity. Um, make each of those archetypes unique. You're going to get variants as you get the, you know, the dual classing happening. Um, you know, or, or com combining two archetypes. So I want to see that, like, each of those archetypes have a clear, relevant role in the game, regardless. Like, one of the biggest, like, feels bad moments has in in MMO games in general is, and and I'm gonna say, like, go on record to say, I think I've been cursed. Is like whenever I pick a class, a lot of times it ends up being the redheaded stepchild of the game for any, like, a period of time. And I know that's probably not just isolated, right? Anyone has, like, a bad call and, you know, MMOs constantly evolve. But I, I do hope that there isn't ever a moment where we say, well, dude, man, we don't need a bard or we don't need a fighter because this, you know, this boss or this encounter, we we need to have, like, more of this or more of that. I always want to have options um, and flexibility so that people not, not only seek out, um, you know, different classes for different purposes, but they seek out different classes because they synergize like with each other, like throughout, like a tank and a bard or a fighter and a bard, like again, as, as your base kind of interacting with each other, not as a archetype combination. There should be synergy there between those, um, whether it, you know, this combo move idea that kind of got introduced that they went back on. I don't know how that's necessarily going to enter be like something that they're going to either flesh out or not in the future. But I love that idea of being able to have two um, classes come together or multiple classes come together and have a, an ultimate move that adds some sort of utility or some sort of spin that's unique um it just it comes down to 
interdependency, interaction, player agency, like really kind of finding those different things that just make the encounters more interesting. You know, give us those opportunities to be clutch and, you know, overcome odds. Um, you know, I'm very much like in tune or excited by force multipliers, crowd control. I've gotten a new, a renewed love for it as we've been playing City of Heroes and I've been playing more controller stuff, right? So I am even more so um, like looking to make sure those support, non-healing support classes are relevant. So that's really what I would feel would be important is don't, and don't make any of the classes really passive just stand and cast or just sit there and like have very limited utility that they don't necessarily have to use a bunch of different skills that kind of depending on the situation make that interesting i'm not going to say like like too complex where there's such a high you know barrier that it's overwhelming for new players but at least give that some sort of progression so that it's always interesting you're not just sitting there like clicking one button over and over and and not finding a way to, you know, exploit an opportunity or a weakness with an enemy that's maybe beating on your buddy in your party or, you know, helping empower your healer because, you know, things are getting a little hairy, you know, and you need some, they need something in order for them to stay alive and keep the party alive. Like give people a reason to be more aware than we have in other games that have dumbed all of that down. Yeah, I totally agree with that, especially the awareness, situational awareness factor. That's the thing that I think uh, that I, I miss seeing the most, which is what I've actually was enjoying about doing City Heroes together. Although I'm going to be real honest, dude, watching you gel everything when we go running through, there's a part of me that's like, why do I feel like he's going to get us in trouble sometimes? If he's if he's like nasty seeing things, I'm going to be like, we're going to need an intervention on Daedalus again real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to full disclosure that happened a lot in the uh, closed alphas and closed betas for city of heroes and maybe a little bit in live too, where they're like that damn Gale again. So yeah. not going to lie. I mean, uh, I've definitely tempered my use of Gale and have, uh, have tried to, but every now and then I just want to push some baddies down a hole, man. Yeah. And you, you can only do that with a little bit of Gale. That's I mean, it, it works really well, like in that game. Like, in, in fairness, what exists in that game and some others, like, while it's fun, I also don't think I'd want to see too much of in Ashes. Um, just because, you know, like being able to like go in line of sight, pull a ton of groups, like a ton of mobs, I mean, and like pull it all back over there and then just CC, like, stun lock the hell out of it and then just AoE nuke it all at once. Like that's I know it takes more coordination and sometimes time, but especially in raids where you've got mobs between bosses and things like I think it's extremely important that you do have to like 
utilize utility between your classes, like communicate it effectively, not break certain CCs. Like that was one of the big things, right? Like you could mark targets in certain games, but even without that, if you're like, hey, we're, you know, I'm sleeping this, I'm polymorphing this, I'm going to, you know, you know, maintain a sap on this target, you know, when you got your rogues doing all these different things like that, that interdependency, that important uh, coordination between the players and the u- utilization of the, the 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 classes that they're playing with, I think, is extremely important. And when you could just line a sight pull, stun lock, nu- nuke it, and burn it down, like that takes the challenge away, you know, from that progression, especially in raids and things like that. Especially the competitive content. I I want to stress that specifically. Like, I don't necessarily care a ton when you can get away with some cheesy things and, you know, open world stuff where you just, you're talking like random mobs in the world. You're just trying to get through a hallway. You've been down the hallway a bazillion times, right? That stuff I get, like the redundant sort of taxing stuff I totally get. But for progression content, for rating especially, like that in-game progression stuff, please don't goof that up. Please don't don't take it that away because that was one of the things that, that I missed. And it was one of the challenging things because you knew that the people that were progressing were coordinating more effectively for the most part, right? And there we go all the way back to that discussion point we started with talking about merit. Not just because I can press that button, that'll do it all for you, right? So, um, but I agree with you though, when you're talking about like some things that you'd want to see with these four classes or these archetypes, rather, right? I keep saying classes because it's what we're used to saying. We have to think with Ashes, you got your eight archetypes, the classes are the augmented versions of those, right? That you create later. Um, but when I think about that, like, I think. I don't think you've got to reinvent the wheel, right? I saw the word interesting in chat and I agree with that, making it interesting. And and what makes it interesting is the question, right? Because I think you're going to get a different answer for from one person to the next. My interesting is it's just not cookie cutter, right? That doesn't mean I've never seen a skill and or ability that works similar to this before. Okay. But, you know, a bit of a different a, a bit of a different take on something we've seen before. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Bread and butter goes a long way. And in a lot of respect, like th- that can carry a game through as like I would even say if 80 percent of your game is the bread and butter of what has worked really well in other games that came before you, you're going to have an awesome an awesome game. Right. You just got to make it interesting and unique in, in its own presentation of, of doing that, I think. Um, so interesting is an important word, right? The fighter is a great example of, um, well, what are they going to go for here? Because that's basically like your warrior, isn't it? It's your warrior style class, right? We know warriors in a lot of different games, right? You can look to things like D and D as an example of how to build an archetype, like a fighter. Um, you can, uh, do the same with a summoner, right? Um, you know, obviously we know pretty good, we got a pretty good, you know, reference point for like how the summoner is going to work um, in a way that's uh, to a degree unique in Ashes. I think what makes the summoner unique in Ashes and, and not so cookie cutter is that for a summoner, uh, that class, sorry, archetype uh, overall will be able to supplement, you know, roles if need be. Doesn't mean it's going to necessarily, as far as we know so far, do the job of a role. So like, you know, a tank or a healer, for example, but it can help to sort of supplement in that area. So the summons 
can supplement in either damage, healing, or tanking, okay? So we know that something about the summoner is unique. We also know that the summoner is going to actually have to have, I, I view the summoner as like a class where, or an archetype rather, where you're going to have to really manage those summons effectively to do a good job, right? So we know it's not just as simple, at least we know so far based on what they told us, that it's not as simple as you just, you know, army of the dead on a death knight sort of situation and it does it all for you sort of thing. There's actually management of that in there. The rogue in World of Warcraft is, I mean, there's a lot to that that's bread and butter. It works really well. It feels very roguelike. Um, there's a lot of inspiration that they could take from that and plenty of other games. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, but the fighters one, you know, the fighter and the rogue are two that, um, you know, I think the summoner and the bard are probably ones I think that could be, there could be more intricacies there as a result of the dynamics of that, of that actual archetype. But when I look at the fighter and the rogue, I think there's probably like a lot of bread and butter you can take away from other games that would work well. I'm just more curious to see what they're going to do to, like some of you in chat said, to, to keep that interesting, to, to take a, make a unique take on that. Um, I think things like charges, probably likely to be predisposed to burst damage is probably going to be a thing for the for the fighter, um, but we still have to see it. It would be good if we could actually see a little bit of that sometime soon to see what they're going for with those. Um, any other thoughts though, before we kind of move on? Cause I had a, yeah, yeah, I did have one more and I think you, you hit on it a little bit. I just wanted to maybe have that as a kind of an additional point. I, I do agree. I mean, with city of heroes, right there, there's definitely an overabundance of CC in that game. Um, and and while it's maybe not, it, it's it does create some scenarios at the lower level, like where you do have you know maybe a little less challenge. It does ramp up, and I just think that you know there is a, like a, a similar challenge that that Ashes are get, is going to need to uh, address too is making cc relevant but not making cc like op i think it is going to be a very fine line that they need to walk and one of my like most favorite experiences in like early world of warcraft was there was that balance there cc was relevant but not op yeah it required you to think and strategize before taking on mobs and at some point that switch flip to let's just stack DPS and steamroll. Right. And I, I know like there's still some level of that, um, you know, need for CC on some type of content, but it's just so um, niche. It feels to me, it's so niche um, that it's, it should be something that permeates the game. You should still have, some level of thinking in you know the majority of the content i mean not every mm -hmm. piece needs to have it because obviously there's going to be you know parts of the world you're just trying to get by and you can maybe do a little bit of like some slight cheesy moves but it is important for class relevancy and also um making the challenge be I guess interactive or interesting too is is you need to be able to balance right you you're you're gonna need 
so non-healing support, you're going to need healing, you're going to need DPS, you're going to need tank, right, in these larger encounters. And each of those has a relevant role, but it's not like any one of those combinations. It shouldn't totally negate the challenge. It should mitigate some risk, but it's still a risk versus reward scenario. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that's super important because if you make the encounters irrelevant, then and the challenge is gone you're gonna lose a lot of people right um mm-hmm. on the other end if if you like you know if you don't have that level of interactivity you're gonna lose people because they're not gonna want to play these classes that you as a developer spend a ton of time on building and refining um so it, it is definitely something that i think needs to be addressed and i would love to see more about when we get into combat, when we start talking about dungeons and encounters, mm-hmm. I really want to see them start to showcase some of these things that where each archetype has some role or some ability to shine um, and, and and build that interactivity between other archetypes so that we can see the dynamic. And it is important that they are balancing based on group composition, not necessarily like individual versus individual mm-hmm. that gives me hope but that's also a technique other developers have used and they may not necessarily have been successful in that whole balance that i'm talking about i'm not just talking about like class balance but just encounter balance versus group comp yeah and i think talking about other development teams too you know like oftentimes i think they'll go for the buzzwords because people and community will often have this resonating voice of like this is what we'd like to see and i think oftentimes you'll see like a developer try to uh you know use those same sort of like buzzwords to to sort of entice them to their product and then you get in and you try it and it's like this isn't at all you i mean world of warcraft did this for years right they're they're at a point where now i believe they genuinely are working to turn it back but you're talking like multiple expansions now. Like I'm tapped out. I'm, I'm a person where on principle, if I tap out on you, you don't get me back. It is it is very unlikely you get me back, even if you're doing things I like. And right now they're they're telling us and planning on doing things we like. I also can't help but think that with crafting, they're potentially trying to get a bit of a head start on some other games where crafting's going to be key. <clears throat> Ash is a creation. I saw that, man. I see what they're doing there. Like, you, you can't expect that other games aren't going to try, but just because they try doesn't mean they're going to deliver. And unfortunately, World of Warcraft's been notorious for trying to do other things other games have done and not not doing a very good job at it because um, it always seems like it's rushed or something. Um, you know what you were talking about, though, uh, just a minute ago, actually reminded me of our, I think it was our last discussion over the behemoths. Remember, we were talking about uh, raid dynamics and things like that. I also want to hit on something J-Rock the Great and Chad had said, but don't let me forget, please. Um, we talked about the massive like Alpha 2, you know, sea creature that we're, that's going to be there and how how just like extremely large that creature is. Like that is such a good example. Like can I know I didn't say this last time, but can we talk about this real quick? That is sure. such a good example of bringing the massive back to the MMORPG. Do you remember the early WoW days when you'd have those massive dragons out in zones? 
And it was like, dude, you were not that they would beat that. They would beat that ass. Like they would get you, dude. And it was like such a rough fight. But if you got enough people together, you had to like scale that damn camera back. When I saw the scale of that thing compared to a humanoid character, I was like, oh my. Like, I'm hoping that what they plan to do with the Mariner classes will be similarly reflective of, of their approach on the interdependency and the importance of that interconnectivity of the different archetypes and their augmented classes for the players. Because there there is a lot of potential that ashes could bring to the mmrpg like a lot of that massive feel that's been gone for so long right when we're isolated to dungeon finders and much smaller scale like i don't want to say smaller thinking but just they aren't willing to take on as much anymore it doesn't seem like right it seems way more focused around just getting you to be in their game and getting you to microtransaction yourself to their will like like clockwork right that's that's the thing the content isn't the reason to log in you get you create enough creatures like this with really interesting mechanics to where situational awareness and communication are important to where people on servers get that notoriety and that prestige of their name because of their performance in a battle, because their ability to help coordinate something in a battle to help people succeed in that large scale content. That's really difficult and challenging. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff we need to, for communities to thrive again. And if, if that scale is a sea creature, like, Oh man, I am hoping we see some dragon that size in the world. You know, or just any creature, any other creatures with scale like that in the world. Um, because, I mean, how many games do we actually see something like that these days? Real talk. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would maybe double down on that, too. I mean, world bosses at the end of the day in World of Warcraft at this point in time are a joke. I mean, it's literally yeah, you just true. you deserve it and you're done. Right. I mean, it doesn't take that long for that to be like a thing that you just farm every week, like a job. Put it on and, farm. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's there's got to be some sort of weight to these larger encounters. And scale is definitely one way to do it. Difficulty is another coordination. I mean, I'm talking like raid level coordination in like an instance raid level of coordination. Uh, for yeah. these world bosses, because they shouldn't be something that are like trivial. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't make sense to me that they're trivial in other games. So, yeah, you know, and I want inaction to also be a choice. But that choice, like everything else, has a consequence. Man, we can't take down this particular ice dragon that's threatening our node. Now, all of a sudden, we're in eternal winter and we have some sort of you know, issue with, you know, our node leveling because of it, right? I just, I want something where we have to like make certain choices, come together, form that community around a goal and get her done. Because I mean, in the really um, positive rating experiences that I've had, you've done just that. You've gotten everybody on a, the same level in terms of performance. You've, you've made the right choices to build your camaraderie, to build your, you know, your comp. And then you go and you just, you 
drop lights justice down on a boss. And I want that same level of scale and coordination to happen with world bosses. And it's not just going to be something, oh, yeah, you throw enough people at it and they just keep respawning enough, right? You'll get it down eventually. Yeah, that's um, And it just becomes a non-event. And so I want a world boss to be an event, not a non-event. And I think that's important. And I'm glad you brought this up because it also goes back to like, how do you keep things interesting in the world? There's scarcity, there's rarity, there's uniqueness and encounters. It's interdependency between classes, between crafters and adventurers. It's threats that bring us together as a community, as opposed to it just being all about the individual and what individual contributions can have. I mean, I think it's still important to have those moments where, man, you were the VIP of that fight. Great job. But it shouldn't be something that is like always the same. There should be opportunities for everybody to shine in their own way. Um, and, and also, again, an ability to make those memories. Hey, remember when we took down that ice dragon and, and how it changed the course of our server story? Those are the things that stay with you. Absolutely. Not that boss you killed every week just to get you know a freaking piece of currency or a particular set of gear that you wanted and you just had it on farm for weeks on weeks on weeks right yeah i mean it's it, it does suck whenever it's like you have something on farm that feels like it should just be like you know like a mighty a mighty task right i think it's one of the things that you know, Stevens actually said that I'm always it's one of the many things he's, he's actually said that I, I'm always really glad to hear. And just like the, the content is the reason that to entice the players to maintain a subscription, but more importantly, to to log in, to be there, to be active. Like if, if you're excited to get into the game because of what you want to do for me. Like I, I bounce between things like I got my day or two where I'm running around and I'm doing like, you know, arena based stuff because I, I got my day where I, a day or two of the week, two to three days where I, I get on. I'm a sweaty try hard, man. And to be fair, I've got I've got some pretty significant prestige in my under my belt. OK, like I've done some pretty amazing things. Right. I had to work really, really hard to achieve those things. They didn't come easy. Like they took a lot of hours to accomplish but the satisfaction of working really hard and just putting in the time and the effort to achieve what not a lot of people are able to it feels really good and to have varying like um varying sort of steps on this like you know step ladder so to speak of of areas where people can have that sense of achievement fulfillment i think are really important and, and the content for me is like, I like to vary it up. I got my day on a sweaty try hard, right? Working on trying to get that prestige. I got the day I just want to jump on and pick herbs and chill in Discord with my homies. I got the days I'm going to go on adventures. I got the days that my guild and I maybe are, we have our set raid times, right? I like to vary it up. But the reason to get on for me is community, the good times, and the opportunity to to progress, to, to, to sort of carve a place for myself out in this world. 
And while I don't necessarily like, you know, item level and things like that, even when I played World of Warcraft, when you knew that, like, you worked hard to gear yourself, and I knew I was one of the, the, like, top five paladins on the server, like, it felt good. That didn't come easy, right? That was difficult. I'm freaking Illidan, too, by the way. If you know Illidan server, that's a pain in the ass, right? So... You know, and, and sure, gear score and all that's a part of it. But really, you're still talking about accomplishing the raids where those gear items will even drop in the first place. You know, so when I can go and sort of have that reflection of like, hell yeah, man, I'm accomplishing that. Or you got your and I think Ashes is actually going to offer uh, a much better way to sort of gauge that by the seasonal sort of approach they're going for. Right. We even talked about it being related to potentially caravans, et cetera. And sort of having this like, and I think seasonal is kind of good too for a lot of reasons because someone may only want to like really push for the limits of prestige, like trying to achieve their greatest valor in the game. And so they're pushing really hard, but they're like, I'm not going to be able to do this every month, every day, every week, but I can go, I'm going to push really hard to try to be the top person for a little while, maybe over this quarter of the year, this seasonal bracket, whatever. And I want to try to earn what's at the top. And I think their approach, you know, I think Ashes has a good approach so far based on what I understand. I'm hoping that that actually applies to a lot of different content um, because I think you'll also, you could potentially give a lot of different people with different play styles and different focal points of their interest in the game who are, you know, getting into play and really invest in the world. You give them a lot of different things to focus on, maybe one thing at a time. They sort of like bounce around the different things like myself, maybe they're focused on rating. Well, well then maybe, um, you know, we, the nodes themselves are also going to serve as a way to sort of revitalize a server, right? Because, you, you know, if certain content only exists because it's locked behind a zone of influence, i.e. the node, then that incentivizes the greater population and community of a server to try to change that and there ends player agency. It's the thing we come back to with Ashes all the time. Play your agency. Meaningfulness. They maintain that in the vision all the way until launch. You know, people, I'm telling you, if the MMORPGs that have been out there recently, MMO, MMORPGs, right? Like Lost Ark, New World, other ones we're talking about, right? Even the Elder Scrolls Online, World of Warcraft. If they've shown me anything in the past couple years or so, it's how bad people really do want an MMORPG to just really dedicate to and invest in for the long haul that they've been willing to try some things that from my perspective, didn't really have a lot of promise. You offer something with promise and potential with meaningfulness and player agency, boy, that's, that's what it's about right there. That's, I think at least what the genre really needs the most. That's what I think is genuinely going to make them and more RPGs great again. And that's why I think ashes has a really good shot of, of true story dominating why I'm willing to be patient with it. I mean, I got plenty of other stuff going on in my life. I'm happy to invest in anyway. Um, and there's a lot of people that in the meantime, I think, you know, even if they've got time in their life to really dedicate to a game, they're sort of like biding their time waiting. They're waiting. 
And a lot of people are definitely waiting for ashes right now. So, okay. We've hit on all the combat stuff. I've rambled on with all the things that were in my brain to ramble on about for the most part, right? Again, I want to remind everybody, the forums on Ashes HQ are up. Go tinker with them. See what you can post. See what you can do. If you got requests and you'd like to see something change a little bit, please hit me up in Discord about it. Also, we've got the developer live stream coming up again this Friday, right? As always, I do the Ashes post show right after their developer live stream. I gather your thoughts. We talk about the things. We prepare ourselves uh, for the upcoming podcast where we cover it. And usually it takes us a day or two to chip away at everything. Luckily, we get really well organized and full um, outlines of those development live streams. Thanks to one of our homies in the community, Skylark and myself who put that together, get it on there. Right. So it's one of the articles that goes up to the HQ every month, along with Daedalus's. Um, if you're interested in contributing to the community, you know where to hit me up, join us over on discord.gg forward slash some org. More importantly, I encourage you all to go join and watch the ashes live stream, share your thoughts within Travis Studios as they do it here this coming Friday, 11 a.m. PDT um, on the 29th of April over on their Twitch channel. Um, member submissions for the Q&A are due this Wednesday, 11 a.m., uh, April 27th, okay? 11 a.m. PDT, friends. With that being said, Daedalus, you got any other final thoughts? Anything you want to you wanna make sure we, no. we don't miss? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, we we covered it. Good discussion as always. Yeah, and remember, we do the uh, Ashes Pathfinder, the Pathfinder post-show for a little bit after the podcast is done. So if you're interested, always stick around for that. If you weren't able to, to be here with us live and you listen to this or you watch it on YouTube, I encourage you all to join us here live every Sunday, 5 p.m. Uh, CDT here on my Twitch channel because... Well, you just get the full presentation that way. Um, but with that being said, Daedalus, please do shout out your domains and where people can find you when you're not on this podcast. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And friends, it's always a pleasure. I want to remind you, as always, it might be the end of today's Ashes Pathfinder podcast. But in closing, got to remind you that whether you join us here live, you're here in chat, you, you comment on a uh, YouTube channel, you listen to this on your drive to and from work, etc. To remind you, you're all Ashes Pathfinders. You're here. You're part of the journey with us. So much love to all of you, to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, live your best lives, walk in the light, and have a great night, friends. We'll see you again real soon. Take care, everyone.